I am hopped up on all the sinus meds right now. And I, it's not helping. I hear you. I took the Zyrtex last night, so. All of you files. Do you need to get in touch with your spiritual energy? Well, join us for a virtual workshop, The Basics of Spiritual Energy tapping in to your own intuition. Join media personality and energy healer, KJ, paranormal researcher, well, me, Kitsy Duncan, and spirit medium, Tiffany Rice, for this special evening. The workshop will include your energy, your chakras, with KJ, tools for the spirit connection with, well, me, Kitsy, introduction to your intuition, with Tiffany. It all goes down April 22nd, 2021 from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. This workshop will definitely be just what you needed. Sign up for tickets now, pxroad.com. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. I'm Nick Floyd. Action-packed. Let's roll around for a little bit. Sure. I mean, it will be eventually, possibly. I am not making any promises. It just sounded good to say. Well, if it's anything like the last two weeks, I think we're going to be, we're in, listeners are in for yet another treat. If it's anything like the last (laughs) two or three, I don't know. I don't even know. (laughs) What even is time anymore? Um, I've got a couple things I want to get out of the way. Um, some announcements, some stuff, and some things. First, we've got that paranormal contact line, guys. We want you to call in with your paranormal experiences and let us know if you want to stay anonymous. We can make that happen. But call in at 202-964-3677. Also, we have a, a contact form now for Paranormal Crossroad. So if you are dealing with a haunting, either at home or in your place of work, um, and you're in Illinois, Ohio, uh, Indiana, or Kentucky, please check out tinyurl.com slash contact PXR because we're looking for new investigations to do. And I'm very excited about all the stuff and all the things. And speaking of Paranormal Crossroads, we just dropped a new episode last week. It's called Taking Flight. And it is the conclusion to the Justin Huff investigation, which was nothing short of magical. So check it out if you get a chance. It's on the YouTubes. And one more thing. We had a huge announcement where um, myself, Tiffany Rice, and KJ McGlynn, all of my my co-stars on Paranormal X Road, if you will, are putting together a workshop. And it's called The Basics of Spiritual Energy. And KJ's going to get on and she's going to talk about Reiki. And she's actually a, an animal Reiki healer, which is 
kind of really cool if you think about it. But she knows the human stuff too. And I'm going to get on and, and talk a little bit about how to communicate with the other side, especially my spirit box and odd box and kind of give a full on Q&A tutorial on that. And then Tiffany is going to join and tell and tell people how to get in touch with their intuitive side. She claims that everybody is a medium of some sort, and she can tell you how to open up your mind and let all the good stuff in, if you will. Oh, wow. But if you're interested in that, head to tinyurl.com slash pxrworkshop1. Yes, there's a number one because hopefully we'll do more. But spaces are limited. Um, it's happening next month, and I should have written down the date, but I didn't. So if you head to that website, tinyurl.com slash pxrworkshop1, that's the number one, all the information is there. Okay. Yeah. I think that's everything. That's amazing because I worked with a uh, medium once many, many years ago, and she had said a very similar thing, that she basically said uh, that uh, everyone – has has to open their mind to that and i was like that's really cool i don't know if i believe it 100 percent, but now that i'm you know you hear something once you're like okay you hear something twice there's something to it and that's yeah. really freaking cool so i'm a, i believe it now i am blessed to have her as my friend and she has helped me open up my intuitiveness over the years so i believe it i really truly do so check it out i think it should be a good time Kind of nervous, super excited. I think it's something new and fun and exciting. So Nick and I have a little teaser for y'all. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, we were asked by whom I don't know and how they found us. I don't know. Hmm? But we were sent screeners for the new Hulu series, Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're a big deal. <laughs> we made like it. it for a second we made we've, it we've made it we've made it. It, it i wish that like everyone who's listening could be a fly on the wall for the text thread and chain between kitsy and i when it happened um because it was uh you know it's hard to like convince you because you weren't there but it was wholesome i think is one way to what? describe it that we were like oh I was my like, god i need you to check your email i'm pretty sure <laughs> They want to send us a screener. And you're like, oh, snap. They want to send us a screener. Yep. It's funny because there are people who do this for a living and they just get screeners all day. And it's like that moment when you get them. And I've worked jobs where I've I've got them. I still, I, you know, I saw Godzilla vs. Kong last week. But yeah. it never, like, it's never not a thing that yeah. you're super excited. If, and if it becomes a thing you're ecstatic about, you should probably, like, leave and take a find a career somewhere else because it's fucking cool to so get this cool. opportunity. And for this yeah. show, I'm like, yes, I know. Yes! And I don't. And they really do. They does that mean they care about our opinion or they're just throwing it out? I don't know. This is all new to me. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's super cool because it does feel a little different. You know, it's the Sasquatch documentary. They showed the first. I want to say just the first episode at South by Southwest this last weekend. Um, so it was already kind of getting hype, but it's so cool that Hulu's reaching out, I'm, I'm guessing, to like paranormal cryptid space type podcasts, maybe even YouTube channels and saying, hey, watch this show and yeah. talk about it and, and let us know what you think. And, you know, 
I immediately turned it on. Um, <laughs> immediately. I binged it so fast. Super easy binge. Three episodes. Yeah. Freaking cool. <laughs> it was yeah, we're we're not gonna get into, you know, our thoughts on the show yet, but yeah. I felt really important and I wanted to share it with all y'all. So always use the hashtag Bigfoot and the hashtag Sasquatch on the Instagrams and you might get a screener copy too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. Uh yeah, and if you're asking yourself, like, why would you set that up and then not tell us about the show, uh, it comes out on April 20th on Hulu. We're a little ways out. We, As of three days ago when we recorded this, we were uh, a month out from it coming out. So we're going to yeah. wait until we get a little bit closer because uh, we, we need to, but also... Yeah. I can say that it's totally worth watching, and I can't wait to talk to Kitsy and talk to th- to Kitsy and also to everybody about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to say that, but I did. Yeah, I did. It works. It totally works. Sure, yeah, you did. Good job, Nick. Oh, thank Good you. Job. Do one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Yeah, so it's it's still a little ways out. So I, we we touched on it. I think uh, the episode. We recorded right after the announcement. We we spoke about it a little bit, and we were totally jazzed and totally <laughs> geeked about it. And I was like, but I don't have Hulu. But it doesn't even fucking matter anymore. So, yay. So I think we talked about it twice. Episode, like, we're already, we yeah. already talked about it anyway, but now it's like it, they're basically finding a way to have us talk about it for the next month. And it's good, I'm going to find a way to work it into every episode yeah. between now and uh, the 20th, so... <laughs> Absolutely. So set your VCRs, kids, for Sasquatch, the documentary on the Hulus. I think your it's VCR. Channel 7. I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. That's where we're going. I bet you, I would bet money right now that in like 10 years, we're going to have cable, but each channel is going to be a streaming service, and they're going to have an option to curate what you should be watching on like... You know how Showtime has like 10 Showtime channels? There's going to be like 10 Netflix channels, 10 Hulu Ooh. channels, 10 HBO Max channels. That's where that's the future right there. I've seen it. That's it. I, you know what? I'm, I'm with you, sir. I believe you 100 million percent. Um, <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I've, me. I haven't. I did a couple investigations and some recordings last week. I, I've been on a freaking Bones binge on mm. Prime lately, so I haven't even watched anything paranormal aside from the Sasquatch documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? You watched anything new and exciting for our um, our parish? Pa- not par- parish share par paraculture para paraculture. Yes, share. <laughs> Uh, well, first and foremost, I can say now because the embargo has been uh, has been released as far as like reaction goes. But I can say that uh, Godzilla vs Kong is awesome and super badass, and it's a straight up like '80s blockbuster now, and it's amazing, oh. and everyone should watch it because it's so much fun. Um, okay. That being said, I did watch a movie called Slacks this weekend. Uh, that's S A S. Oh shit, S L A X X. And it is about a pair of pants that kills people. Oh, okay. Yep, it's on Shutter, and I enjoyed it. It's like a satire of like retail culture, and I worked in retail for a couple of years. I got that under my belt, and it it works, and it's funny, and the kills are so over the top gory 
in the best way, like the first kill of the movie. So the pair of jeans, it fits to your, uh, they're like form-fitting jeans. So they're made of this like okay. organic cotton, super organic. But the jeans, yes, the history I won't discuss. But uh, a girl puts the jeans on and she goes in the bathroom because they like tighten too tight and she's trying to take them off and the jeans keep getting tighter and tighter and just oh. lop her right in half at the center. Oh, shit. It is... Yeah, and the jeans have to lick up the blood because the je- the the, oh, the story behind it, but they like the jean bottom, like, <laughs> they eat the blood off the ground. Tongue? No, the 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 where your bot where you put your legs in, that's the mouth, and so the, the it'll waist? just like yep, the waist of the pants. That's the word, and oh, you <laughs> just licks up the blood. It's fantastic. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> Okay, I probably won't. I am I am in the horror movies for the jump scares, not the gore scares. Um, I do love a good special effects, organic special effects, though. Don't get me wrong. But on the note of paraculture, uh, Ryan Murphy's making all kinds of announcements on season 10 of American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. It's going to take place in maine i think it is double feature and, baby yeah so i, I can't wait i hope it's it's very um oh god what's the name of that movie come out come out cape fear i hope it's got a little cape fear vibe to it maybe a little jaws to it i don't know i'm just making this shit up but uh, um dennis o'hare is back and uh. i could not be happier about it what a wonderful man. And, uh, yes. I, you know, I'm not a big American Horror Story fan, but I do love everyone involved in the cast, um, having met so many of them. They're just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, I feel like last season of American Horror Story was kind of leaning in the territory where, like, things were getting better. And so I think that after all these seasons, season one is very solid. After all the seasons in between, I feel like Ryan Murphy's finally getting his head straight, and I think that this could be a really cool season. Yeah, for sure. I'm obsessed with New England and the homes and the landscape and the fucking wharfs, because wharf is fun to say. So I am here for this shit. I couldn't be happier about it. What was the last season? Was it the, the 1984? 80s? Yeah. So or good. 84? Yeah. Yeah, I also it, want I that really on a. Enjoyed it. I want that on a shirt of you saying that, you, like, you love wharfs. I feel I like do there's love a, wharfs. <laughs> just like such a random thing. <laughs> I don't know, not the smell, but just the vibe and the little tugboats and all the netting and oh, it's just. I would amazing. buy the shit out of that shirt that just says wharf vibes on it, and it's just like a picture <laughs> of a wharf. Kitsy, I would buy that shirt yesterday okay okay i'll see if i can squeeze in designing that amongst all the other 500 million things i have to do i have to write yeah, you that have time. down wharf vibes trademark okay. it that's the new spinoff podcast just us talking about wharfs wharf vibes that's <laughs> yes. why my favorite place to vacation um is martha's vineyard it's nothing but a wharf i mean it's it's a Amazing. It's a wharf. It's a wharf. It's a wharf. Wharf is good. I need to make a song. We'll start doing a whole album about like specific wharfs and we'll have the clothing line and then um, Ryan Murphy will do the the TV show. So we're set. And a sequel book. 
I'd rather talk to wharf people. <laughs> I'd rather talk to fishermen. <laughs> it's perfect. We I mean, like the best d- double threat uh, book combo. Like, I'd rather talk to dead people available on Amazon to purchase. And then you have I'd rather talk to wharf people. And it's just about your journeys talking to other people who appreciate the art, build it, build, build and structure uh, and vibe of wharfs. Please tell me I'm not the only one who digs a good wharf vibe. It's got to be the name of this episode, by the way. Um, <laughs> hit us up in the Facebook group. It's uh, Oddity Files fan group on Facebook. We're at Oddity Files on all the stuff and all the things. Or just go to flow.page slash Oddity Files and you find all the stuff. We should probably figure out what our weekly energy forecast is from Ms. Fortune astrology dun 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 hey there oddballs it's jess from misfortune astrology here with your weekly energy forecast well we have a very quiet week coming up with only a few things to take note of perhaps the biggest shift of the week comes on saturday the third when mercury moves into aries mercury has been in pisces since mid-march which is a transit that i always underestimate it sucks so bad I'm tired all the time, my dreams border on complete insanity, and I can't put together a linear thought to save my life when Mercury is in Pisces. And prior to that transit, he had come off of an extended stay in Aquarius where he spent almost a whole month retrograde. So our collective lower minds really haven't been operating at full capacity since about early January. That's about to change now that Mercury will be moving into Aries, where he's agile, lightning fast, and very sure of himself. There's nothing docile about anything in Aries, and Mercury will be no exception. You will absolutely notice this shift, especially given how debilitated Mercury has been pretty much all year. It should be a welcome change, but do keep in mind that Aries can sometimes think and speak a little too fast. This is not a sign that's known for playing the tape through, so to speak. So watch for a tendency to move more impulsively than you mean to during this transit. Mercury is back up to full speed now, so this is a quick trip. He'll only be in Aries until April 19th. That's a mere 16 days, so try not to scorch the earth too badly. Next week starts off slowly. It's not until Tuesday the 6th that we have our next major aspect, which is a sextile between Venus and Aries and Mars and Gemini, both at 19 degrees. Mars and Venus are our sexual planets, and sextiles are gentle and supportive aspects. So there's basically nothing negative to say about this energy. Venus speaks to what we desire, and Mars dictates how we go about getting what we desire. So when these two play nice, it usually means that we don't have to work too hard to get something or someone that we want. Mars in Gemini is activating lots of choices right now. It's very kid in a candy store type energy. There's just so much good shit that you simply don't know where to start. But Venus in Aries will help him focus. Aries in Gemini is a very, very dynamic and spirited pairing. They're also loud as fuck together. Something that you want will most certainly be screaming, pick me, pick me, louder than anyone else by the middle of next week. And the stars say it's the obvious choice, so go for it. We end the week on a little bit of a sour note, with Mercury conjunct Chiron in Aries overnight April 8th into the 9th, depending on where you live. This conjunction goes down at 9 degrees, just a degree past where the full moon took place last weekend. Chiron was featured then too, so if some sore spot was highlighted for you last weekend, you may experience a bit of a redux when Mercury reignites this spot. 
Chiron's trip through Aries generally brings awareness of a core wound that is insanely personal to us, and Mercury's past will drive the message of that wound home. You may feel compelled to write or speak about something that's bothering you on this day, or you could learn something that helps you on your spiritual journey. Remember that Chiron's goal is to get you up and out of your pity party and on the road to healing. If you're interested in what the stars have to say for you, please check out my website at misfortuneastrology.com. I offer many different types of tarot and astrology readings, and you can also help support my small business by checking out my shop where I sell handmade crystal jewelry, candles, and lots of other cool merch. For daily horoscopes and plenty of inappropriate humor, come find me on social media at misfortune1111. Ciao for now. Oh my gosh, Jess, thank you so much. I'm I'm just going to stay home this week. Um, I, I feel like I can leave the house now, but I'm not going to. I, Nick, did I ever tell you the story? <laughs> so right before all this quarantine shit went down, uh-huh. sitting here in my podcast dungeon recording with Clayton, and I just watched the um, the Unabomber documentary on Netflix oh. and realized what a homebody he was. And I literally said out loud, I'm going to start leaving my house and I'm going to be more of a people person. Boom, COVID. Mm-hmm. There was my sign. Yep. <laughs> yep. You decide to leave the house because you don't want to be sketchy and then you're stuck inside for a year. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Oh, my God. Um, I, I've got paranormal in the news, but I know you had something you wanted to touch on before I went full steam ahead with my story. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to sum it up real quick because I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I am absolutely hooked. You, got, you can call it true crime, you can call it paranormal, you can call it whatever you want, but there's a man uh, on Twitter who has uh, claimed to have found shrimp tails in his cinnamon toast crunch, along with many other treats like rat poop baked into the cinnamon toast crunch, dental floss, and a handful of other fun treats that... Some would say they found at the bottom of a Cracker Jack bag. <laughs> All in one box? Yeah, it was a box that he got from Costco. It was a family size. It was two bags inside and in both spread spread betwixt both bags, he found all these things. Um, oh, the journey he has, has terrible luck. Awful, awful luck. Uh, the journey has been fascinating. He was on like TMZ today. I follow him on no. Twitter for all the updates. Yes, uh, he's married to uh, the actress who played Topanga from Boy Meets World, which is also I a love fun her. twist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the story is just—I mean, he's like back and forth between General Mills, who's like General Mills is being super shitty about it because they said that the chunks of the shrimp tails were actually just sugar that had like stuck together, and he's like, "Nah, it was definitely shrimp tails." So he like had to go to a lab to get it tested. This is the oh, most shit. fascinating journey. It's not over. I was going to actually make it my story today, but God forbid <laughs> if th- when this airs in a week and it comes out that like this went south very fast, I <laughs> didn't want to risk it. Yeah, good call. Very good call. But uh um yeah, yeah so do, do you know his Twitter handle offhand? Uh I do know his Twitter handle. Uh I believe it is let me let me pull it up here on the good old handy dandy laptops. It is Jensen Carp at Jensen Carp is the journey if you want to follow it, and it just oh, it gets it's just getting Carp real with good. With a C or a K? With a K. Okay, that could go either way. 
yeah, it absolutely could. But uh, I highly recommend everyone. I, I have my notifications on, so every time something happens, I get a ping on my phone yeah. and I swipe up, and I was like, "Oh my god, what do you do now? What do you do?" Now? <laughs> That's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yes, I I tweeted that uh, Netflix. It should be Netflix's new true crime doc because the layers to the story, like, I'm just scratching the surface. The layers are incredible. Everyone go, like, it's insane. Anyway. Oh, my. Okay. I am, I've got a new rabbit hole, hole to dive down. I am, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring up, I know most of our litner, listeners were not Trump fans, but his name comes up a couple times, so I'm just going to call him DT. Um... Thanks to DT-era COVID relief bill, a UFO report may soon be public, and uh. it'll be big, ex-officials say. Mm-hmm. So thanks to KJ in the uh, Facebook fan group for posting this, and also my co-host on ParanormalXroads.com. Last year's gargantuan $2.3 trillion appropriations bill did a couple of very obvious things. It provided millions of Americans badly needed coronavirus relief aid, and it averted an impending government shutdown. But it also dealt with UFOs. The legislation which DT signed into law was a bureaucratic nesting doll that ran over 5,500 pages and continued the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, which itself carried an unusual provision in its committee comment section beneath the understated heading Advanced Aerial Threats. The stipulation mandates that the Director of National Intelligence work with the secrecy of defense on a report detailing everything the government knows about unidentified flying objects known in agency lingo as unidentified aerial phenomena, anomalous aerial vehicles. They have all kinds of names for it, but that it must be made public. And when it is, it will be big. So that comes to us from the Washington Post. It's, uh, that's the thing about bills. I've learned as I've become an adult, they will just throw all kinds of shit. So these filibusters are sometimes for something that none of us know anything about. Yeah. Uh, Nick's just shaking his head. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, uh, it's truly insane, and it's not the existence of aliens. You got two sides of the story, and I'm not. I'm gonna try to not spend too much time on this, but this is a this is a hot point. This is a hot button for me. You have two sides of the story. We have we have rovers on the moon or uh, on Mars, which is a planet that obviously has a lot of attention on it and has for a very long period of time. Two different rovers for extended periods of time that we've had on on Mars, and you have one group which is NASA, you have a group of scientists who are reporting on factual things that they're discovering on this planet, that's like the biggest breaking thing they can say is they found a particle that belongs in this and that and then somehow tie it back to like that it there was water that was once there. And that's right. the biggest news that you have. Um, I think even if there are documents that are released, they will be redacted. 
uh, to the point that we won't even know what they say, nor will we even care what they say, because they're all going to say the same thing. It's going to be anonymous reports from pilots who were saying, I saw this thing that happened, but the big, uh, you know, Jesus walks of it all is they're going to report that there was a craft that broke the sound barrier and that that's something that's going to come to light, that they, they have documentation of the sound barrier being broken by something. Is it aliens? Probably not, unfortunately. Probably not. Uh, is it an unidentified aerial phenomena that could exist from another country uh, who also has the same, uh, a similar power that our military does, technology? There's a fucking gigantic circle in the ground overseas that's shooting particles at each other. Sure, there's a craft that can break the sound barrier. What We don't know what Elon Musk is doing. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> like Elton. I, <laughs> I it's such a difficult thing because it does feel like in the in the Trump era, it feels like someone was in a room during this filibuster, someone shouted the word aliens and they said, "Well, let's put it in the bill." And yeah. this was you know, you, in order to convince people something's real, they have to believe or at least have a uh, like some piece in their mind that it's real. And if yeah. I told someone aliens existed and had proof, if someone took a picture of Bigfoot and showed it to somebody and said, I have proof, that person's not going to believe you either way. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. So there goes my bubble being burst. Thanks, Mr. Nick Floyd. Um. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's what I've been doing all week with the fucking Snyder Cut. Everyone's like, yeah, and I'm like, no. And they're no like, desire. you are the worst. <laughs> so this is what I no, do. I won't even watch it. <laughs> won't e- I didn't even watch the first one. So, yeah, But who am I kidding? I watched the extended cut of Lord of the Rings like 16 times. That's moments of my life I'm never getting back. And I say that in a loving way because I love the movie, but I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> what could I have done with that time? I could have started a Fortune 500 company. Maybe. Well, and had all my maybe. friends come work for it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, who even fucking knows? Just do what makes you happy, people. Damn it. Stop. Oh, I've got a bitch. I've got a bitch. So uh, here we, yes. Let it I out. I received an email today as, for a request to be a guest on our show. Hi, I'm a new oh. listener. I'm a huge fan. This, that, and the other. I'd like to schedule to be on your show for an interview. Oh, sweet. Um, and he, he's apparently uh, reads minds. Uh-huh. But if he, one, listened to the show, two, was able to read minds, we don't do fucking interviews on this show. Oh, <laughs> I'm I a right? steel, I am a steel goddamn trap. Bring him on and let him read this mind, because he's going to get in, and he's going to want to get out real quick. He's going to be trapped. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. Get, like, hey, have him, the only way he can come, the stipulations, he has to come on and he has to read our minds simultaneously and be able to decipher whose thoughts are which. And do the whole show by himself. Yes. Done. That's it. Bring him on. Let's go. I would listen to that show. (laughs) I was pissed. I was like, really? You're going to try to kiss my fucking ass but oh i'm a huge fan of this no you're not motherfucker okay i got a story i got a story (laughs) extra extra read all about it okay so that was lame but we have a new merch store my friends head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity 
dash files. Guys, we've got everything there. We're still adding more. The prices are much more cost effective there and the store is so easy to navigate. What are you waiting for? Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Get your merch on. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content to their flexible membership plans. Shutter is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? tinyurl.com slash get shutter. tinyurl.com slash get shutter. G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Do you have big dreams and think you'd love to run your own business? You might see a need in your community or the world that you think you can help fill. Or maybe you just really crave the freedom to work from when and where you want. I'm Jackie Pretzman, and I help women to create businesses they love. I've partnered with Oddity Files to bring you details about Dream Business Bootcamp, my online course to kickstart your business in six weeks. In the course, we cover everything from getting clear on your business idea to creating and pricing your first offering, getting your business online, and then actually attracting ideal customers who want to pay you for what you do. Now, Dream Business Bootcamp is opening for enrollment this month, and Kitsy has something special to share just for Oddity Files listeners. She's right, guys. I do. Here's your special link for Jackie's Dream Business Bootcamp. Go to tinyurl.com slash dreambusinessbootcamp today. Thanks, Jackie. Looking for something a little scarier and creepier to listen to during your podcast binges? Well, check out Get Scared Podcast. Every episode, I read stories by independent horror authors that are meant to get you scared. Yeah, I can be creepy. So, so head on over to your favorite podcast app. Search for Get Scared Podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. Let's get scared. It's called The 28 Fires of Odon, Indiana. Are you oh, ready for this? I don't know. Yes. Well, that story goes a little something like this. After 78 years, the Hackler House fires remain unexplained. But the true background and narrative of this Odon, Indiana-based phenomenon, where 28 fires broke out in one day at a single home, is much more complex than one would think. On the town website, um, it claims that Odon is built on small town values, guided growth, preservation of historical, cultural, and natural heritage. Sounds lovely. It's not that far for me. Oh. I've not been, but 
it's down the highway. Um, the Hackler family <laughs> may have disagreed after the events of June 21st, 1940. William and Minnie Hackler and their five children, William, Dorothy, Garland, Dale, and Virginia, lived as a farming family in a large, older two-story home surrounded by large pine trees about 100 yards off a main road about four miles northwest of Onan. The two-story frame house was built just after the Civil War by Marshall Ketchum. He married, and he and his wife Margaret went on to have a large family. Sometime in the 1880s, disaster struck the Ketchum family. And according to a story in a 1940 edition of the Mitchell Tribune, five members of Ketchum's family most likely all children died in the house of burning fever, which today they call typhus. Uh, I don't know what typhus is. Do you? Uh, I'm not even going to pretend that I do. So no, I do not. <laughs> Same. It's, I'm sure it's gonna... terrible. People died. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, after Ketchum's death, the house was sold to Andrew J. Wilkie, who claimed to be a spiritualist, and his wife... Tragedy struck again at the house when one of his two sons was killed in a hunting accident. Andrew, Mr. Wilkie, was inconsolable and grieved over the loss of his boy for years. He even reportedly buried his son a few hundred yards west of the house in a casket built with an embedded glass window so the child's face could be seen. Wilkie also insisted that his deceased son made his presence known to him in the house and that he regularly conversed with him. After Wilkie died, it was rumored that his wife moved the boy's casket to a nearby cemetery. Now, by the spring of 1940, the Hackler family had been in this house for about a decade without incident, and then, on an unusually warm, late June morning, something began going horribly wrong. Just after 8 a.m., William was heading outside to start his farming choice, choice? chores when someone smelled smoke. The family fanned out throughout the house, and daughter Dorothy found a strip of wallpaper on fire under a window in an unoccupied upstairs bedroom. So the Odon Fire Department was called, and after putting out the fire, they suspected a defective hidden chimney, as the fire's origins seemed to be from behind the wall. So they ripped off all the plaster, but they found there was no chimney behind the wall and no fire damage. Plus, since the weather was so unseasonably warm, even if there was a chimney behind it, there wouldn't have been a fire in the stove anyway. So the fire also was not electrical in origin either, as like most rural Indiana farmhouses of that time, the house had never been wired for electricity. It was a mystery, and both parents and all the children pleaded ignorance of how the fire may have been started. But the real mystery was just beginning. No sooner had the firefighters returned to Odon that they were called back when Minnie discovered another fire smoldering inside a mattress in a different bedroom. And then while the fire department extinguished that fire, all hell broke loose. Fires started everywhere. 
A pair of Williams coveralls hanging behind a door went up in flames. A fireman noticed smoke pouring out from between the covers of a book. He opened the book and there were flames inside the book. Another fire broke out on the opposite side of the house from the first. Again, it seemed to be from inside the wall. So firemen again tore the plaster and lengths off down to the studs, but found no evidence of where any fire had traveled either underneath the lathes or between the ceiling and floor of the second story. It had simply just broken out, just like the first one, only this time it was on the west side of the house. So from about 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., a total of nine fires were extinguished. From that time on, all day, Friday, it was just one fire after another, says William to a local reporter at the time. One fire started inside a desk drawer. Two neighbor women concerned by the seeming commotion at the Hackler place stopped by to see if they could help. And as they stood in the living room, the window curtains directly behind them just burst into flames. Oh, shit. Oddly. Yeah. Only the curtains burned leaving the window shades untouched. Then suddenly the curtains across the room, hanging at at an adjacent window, ignited in the exact same way. In another bedroom, a paper divider that had been placed between the springs and the mattress broke out in flames, destroying the mattress. A bedspread caught fire. I'm assuming it's in a different room. It didn't say. And was reduced to ashes within seconds while neighbors standing in the same room stared in horrified amazement. It was as if an invisible hand were lighting matches throughout the house. One neighbor said, if I hadn't been in the house at the time and seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it, said another one of those unnamed neighbors. Another neighbor was more cynical and just said, the devil is in that house. (laughs) You know, like you do. You know, yeah. Like reports of spontaneous combustion in humans, only the objects that burst into flames were consumed. Everything else around them was left relatively unharmed. A calendar in the kitchen just burst into flames. It was witnessed by a firefighter who was taking a break, but it did no damage to the wallpaper underneath, just the calendar. In all, over 100 volunteer firefighters from Odon and the town of El Nora extinguished a total of 28 fires that day. So needless to say, the family slept outside that warm Indiana evening. And over the next couple weeks, The looky-loos came out in droves, all having their own explanation of the spontaneous combustion. They blamed charged lightning rods that would have set wall nails on fire, which in in turn caused the other items to catch fire. No. Nick's shaking his head, and I totally agree. (laughs) Someone else said it was the ley lines, a.k.a. powerful magnetic fields that triggered the fires, and the many curmudgeons all blamed the poor Hackler kids, saying they were the ones causing the ruckus. But (laughs) many different people from all walks of life, neighbors, firefighters, grandma, grandpa, the whole shebang, witnessed this shit just out of the blue. 
And some, what I assume were lovely people, claimed that since the house was haunted, it had to be the spirits of the house. Mm -hmm. The Indiana State Fire Marshal, who concluded the O'Don fires as the most baffling mystery, quote, unquote, he had ever seen and closed the case with no explanations. By July, the hacklers had decided to to make an interesting change. They moved all the rest of their belongings out of the house. And William, assisted by his wonderful neighbors, not the one that said it was the devil, began disassembling the house board by board. And then they reconstructed it about a mile away, closer to the main highway. And by August, they were all moved back in. And they never experienced another fire once they moved the house. So with the fires defying scientific explanation, the question no one seemed to ask was the significance of the history and or location of the house in those fires. Could it have been a demon or a poltergeist as suggested by some neighbors? Or was it an unknown mystical relationship between the house and the five Ketchum family members who died of the burning fever? And the spontaneous fires a half century later at the time owned by a family also with five children. Mediated somehow by the presence of Wilkie, his, the spiritualist who you know damn well did seances in that house, and his son that he used to speak to, did the destruction of the rebuilding of the house a mile away once and for all quiet whatever restless spirits inhabited it for that one day? With the house now long gone, this is the saddest part of this whole thing, the house is not there anymore. No one no. will ever know. Uh, my wingmen, other than the rugged, handsome, McDreamy, Don Wildman of Mysteries <laughs> at the Museum, is Dale M. Brumfield from Medium.com. Dot com. You know, two things struck me from that story. Number one, the great lengths people will go when the answer, the most obvious answer, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, the most obvious answer is right in front of you. You will literally make a lap around the damn universe to find any other thing that it could be besides saying, oh, it's paranormal. Cool. Let's walk away yeah. from this now that we yeah. figured it out. Um, so that struck me. The second thing that struck me was that because of uh, the Ketchum family specifically and their past and their history... It seems that this malevolent spirit that was there, or series of spirits, uh, cl you know, tried to basically uh, mold itself to the times. So, I mean, as medicine progressed, modern medicines and things, this family that moved into the house, burning fever, typhoid, that was a that was a big issue. That you just you know you got it, you died. Like that was. Uh, yeah. It was a it was a very dangerous, risky thing to have at a time when you know modernized medicine wasn't really a thing. So the fact that this malevolent spirit could have potentially molded with the times to say, "Well, I'm going to burn this house to the ground because we have there's medicines now," like oh. that to me is crazy because maybe it was the grounds, it was the property, it is like the the good old the good old poltergeist. Uh, throwback the the story of there being something that the hallowed grounds that they're on but the the idea that like it consumed one family by taking them out of some using 
something like typh- you know, typhoid, like burning fever, and then yeah. flat fast forward, and it's literally trying to burn the house down because there's no yeah. real cure for that. <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and the the other young, the other kid died in a hunting accident. So, I I, I believe it might have been the land. If if nothing went down after they moved the house, I mean. I don't know. It's a mile away. That's that's going to be a big difference. But uh, you think of it, Indiana. I mean, y- you can go out in the woods here and find little arrowheads, you know, from back in the Indian days, the Native American days, if you will, the indigenous Americans, whichever one of those you like best. But yeah, so and it, like I said, it's not that far from here. Mr. Uh, God, who is the last guy that lived there? Catch him? Heckler. Mr. Yes. Heckler actually um, moved out of the house uh, and went into a nursing home in Bedford, Indiana, which is not that far from me. And the the Mitchell paper that they mentioned as well, I've investigated two locations in Mitchell. So it's it's haunted AF down there. Oh, I, I, I mean, it sounds like it. But the fact that they pulled this thing apart and then rebuilt it a mile down the road, it wasn't in the walls. It wasn't. Like, to strip a house and then just put it back together a yeah. mile away. There's clearly something with the grounds here. And I'd be curious yeah. to see if there's anything that's been rebuilt on it and if they experience anything. So Yeah, for sure. I need to get that address. <laughs> Alexa, take me to... No, just kidding. Dismiss, Alexa. <laughs> Dismiss. Stop. Shut off. Uh, uh, on that note, Alexa, why don't you, you play some commercials for me? Are you looking for that next great read? Well, I've got you, because I wrote it. Head on over to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order yourself a copy of my book, I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, where I tell you the ins and the outs of my paranormal journey thus far. If you've watched the TV show Oddity Files on Amazon Prime or YouTube, this is the perfect companion piece to give you an inside look on what was going on inside my head during my most prominent investigations to date. Again, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by Kitsy Duncan. Thank you. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash bonescoffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Find out why people are calling Paranormal Crossroads 
a great spiritual journey or groundbreaking, heartfelt, funny, this new series is absolutely amazing. Just head to tinyurl.com slash paranormalxroad. That's the letter X. This all-female paranormal team, including myself, Kitsy Duncan, KJ, and spirit medium, Tiffany Rice. Go where no paranormal show has gone before. We head to people's homes and places of work where they're dealing with a haunting of any kind. Nine times out of ten, there's happy tears, there's laughter. This is the paranormal show you've been waiting for. We're adding new episodes monthly, and this is a show you don't want to miss. No screaming, no demons, all the love, light, peace, and positivity, and bringing family members closure. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash paranormalxroad. That's X as in the letter X. I know, we we talk about our pets all the time, and we kind of love our pets a little too much, just like you guys. But we're always looking for ways to save money in these current financial times. Chewy's it. Type in tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. You help support the podcast. I personally get both our dog's food and our dog's treats and a couple other things sent on a monthly basis directly from Chewy with their subscription service. So please check it out. Please help us out by subscribing to all of your Chewy goods at tinyurl.com slash OF Chewy. My dogs will thank you. That's the worst segue ever. People are going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, so you've got a story, I hope. Uh, you know, I do have a story. Uh, and it was a tough one to figure out this week because I had had this story that was really interesting to me for a few weeks now. But I know how much the listeners love the Reddit uh, stories yeah. that I've been pulling. So I was really contemplating. I was like, should I do another Reddit story? But no, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this story because it's interesting. Uh, oh, it's, cool! Yay! It's Yay. light. You can go back to Reddit another time. Sure, no. it's always there for me. It's it ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so because of the way that this story, it was hard to find that the right uh, version of this story to kind of cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and tell you what the story is about, and then I'm going to give you a history lesson, and it'll lead us nice, uh, nicely and hold our little hand all the way to the ending where it'll tie it all in this neat little bow. Um, Perfect. But uh, I'm a big fan of uh, superstitions, as you could tell from the three, the three knocks from a couple weeks yes. ago. And this is one I had never heard of before, and it it passed in like a news feed or something. I saw it, but today I'm going to talk about and tell uh, a couple little stories about the sweater curse, which is something that's always, uh, I, I didn't know of it, but as soon as I found out about it, I was like, this is really interesting. And I kind of fell in I love, love it. it. I love it. And it, myself being a superstitious person, I mean, like when I used to watch the football, you know, I quit when, Peyton left Indiana, but I mean, I'd have to, I'd like set things in certain spots. Just, I'm like, if I don't do it, then we don't, I, I literally, if we were getting close 
to scoring, I'm like, well, I have to go to the bathroom. They only score when I'm in the... It's ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. What a left turn. That was a journey in the best way. And I <laughs> love that. That's like a superstition. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It. Uh <laughs> So yeah, so the sweater curse is not as dangerous as it seems, although its history kind of begs to differ. So uh, I'm going to take you back, give you a history lesson, and then we'll tie it all up like I like I had said. Uh, so this comes from the New Yorker. Cool. Um, it's kind of there's some commentary provided by Allison Lurie, but the story comes from W. W. Norton. Um, who wrote, I guess, an entire piece about this specifically, but I've shrunk it down to the, the tidbits that are important. So, according to historians, knitting is probably very old, which is such a strong way to start. <laughs> okay. Uh, few ancient examples have survived. Those socks from Egypt are believed to date from the 11th century. Archaeologists have found many more woven textiles, but it seems likely that knitting may predate weaving. Really? I so many listeners are probably like, "Why am I? Why are you going to talk about knitting today?" <laughs> I found that super interesting. So, little tidbits, just love little tidbits. It, love it. Always learn something on this show. We, <laughs> you have to. Uh, weaving demands a settled environment and bulky equipment in the form of a loom. Knitting requires only a ball of yarn and needles, and it would therefore be well-suited to nomadic people who followed the migrations of game or the seasonal ripening of fruits, vegetables, and nuts. Honey, we forgot my knitting basket. Can you go back? (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) We've already come 346 miles. (laughs) You gotta go back, honey. I need to darn some socks. Sorry. I'll I'll make you some socks. Uh, knitters can and still do carry their work with them. E- even today, you will often see women knitting on long journeys, just sitting, going to town, a little knit, knit. Uh, <laughs> by the late Middle Ages, knitting was well established. A 14th century painting by Bertram von Minden shows the Virgin Mary finishing up what looks like a loose pink short sleeved top. Weavers and seamstresses typically work sitting down, but it's possible to knit while standing or even walking. It can also be done when it's too dark to sew, something that was especially important before the invention of electricity. All the history. All the history. (laughs) Shepherds and shepherdesses traditionally knit as they watch their flocks, and there are many 17th, 18th, and early 19th century paintings of women in peasant dresses uh, knitting often while standing up. Back then, it wasn't just a hobby, as it often is today, but an essential household craft. Many women, and occasionally men, either created wool socks, scarves, and sweaters for themselves and their families, or went without. Since it did not demand physical strength, knitting was something you could do at any age, and to judge by the art of the period, the very young and the very old were frequent knitters. So there's your little knit history lesson and now we're going to tie it all into literature which will which will kind of push it's us everything along. my life has been tr- missing so thank you for that history lesson perfect everyone needs a, a good knit history <laughs> lesson. <laughs> the tradition of patriotic knitting for the military continued for years both in fiction and in real life during the second world war when i and my friends i being ww norton were in high school and college we were recruited as knitters 
I still remember the hanks of heavy, slightly oily, dark khaki yarn uh, we were issued and the blurred mimeographed patterns for scarves and socks. Mimeographed. Nailed it. It's before copy machines. That's it. (laughs) That's what I said. Yep. (laughs) Sure. Uh, the more expert knitters among us were able to produce thick gloves and helmets that covered the whole head except for eyes and mouth holes. And this part gets a little interesting because I'm not sure what he means by it, but it kind of kicks things off exactly where we want them to be. He says, when I went into the Unitarian Church on my first day as a volunteer and was met by a figure wearing one of these death's head helmets, I was terrified. Oh. My, yeah, that took a sharp turn. <laughs> a very, very hard, and I thought that I had like copied and pasted this incorrectly, and then I read it again, and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck did just happen? Uh, in fact, this apparition should have been no surprise. The association between knitting and death is a persistent dark side of the craft. No! So that... Brings us to the story. Okay. <laughs> so many twists and turns. You'd think we were watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You would The think. most famous and sinister knitter in literature. Strap in, folks, because it's getting wild. Talking about sinister knitting. Uh, is Madame Defarge from Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, set at the time of the French Revolution. Madame Defarge, whose husband keeps a wine shop in Paris, is a tall, handsome, black-haired woman in her 40s. Her father, brother, and sister have died as the result of the cruelties of an aristocrat, and she seeks revenge on him and his family. As she waits, she knits the names of potential victims of the guillotine into her work. Very similar to Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. Yes. Hmm. Later, she and her friends go to watch the deaths she has forecast. Dickens did not invent this detail. Many scholars have recorded that revolutionary women would often knit as they stood watching public executions. Well, there you... Kindles weren't a thing yet, and you couldn't check the Facebook yet, so, yeah, that makes complete sense. (laughs) I like that. Again, it's literature, uh, it's fictional literature, and then reality, and the reality, like, reading reading about A Tale of Two Cities, which I read in school, sure, I'm familiar, but then reading that this wasn't invented for the book. This was a thing that happened. Like these women knitting, watching like people get their heads lopped off. Just like, okay, another day in paradise. (laughs) Oh shit. I got blood on this one. I'm just going to give that to the nephew. I don't like. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The best known knitter in 20th century fiction is also closely associated with violent death, though as a benevolent rather than a malevolent spirit. This is Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, an elderly lady, constant knitter, and amateur detective who lives in a tiny English village where she solves one case after another. Anyone who has lived in such a village themselves or cast even the most passing glance at crime statistics cannot help but be surprised at the number of murders that take place in or near St. Mary Mead. Can it be that Miss Marple's hobby somehow draws the victims there? After all... There's always been a kind of uncanny aspect to knitting, sometimes good, as with my mother's afghan, and sometimes evil. A steel knitting needle can be a weapon, especially if its point has been quietly quietly sharpened. There are several instances of murder by knitting needle in detective fiction, but as far as I know, no one has ever been killed with a crochet hook. 
little interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to uh, to where where kind of we all started with the sweater the sweater curse itself. Okay. So even in real life, knitters are aware of the supernatural side of their craft. What is widely known among us as the sweater curse is recognized as a superstition, but one which many personal accounts support. Essentially, this is the good part. It says that if you start knitting a sweater for any man in whom you have a serious romantic interest, he will break up with you before it's finished. What? Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the way I craft, I never finish. I've been working on a scarf for like 27 years. It feels like it. Uh, it's crochet. It's not knitting. But, I, you know, maybe you don't want to finish that sweater, Martha. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And then a few knitters also claim that the curse also works with scarves. So it's not just sweaters, <laughs> but scarves as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, the rational explanation of the sweater curse is that a handsome sweater is typically thick, elastic, and clingy. It suggests that the woman who is making it wants to surround its recipient and enclose him. To be presented with such a garment is a signal to a man that its maker has serious plans for him. If he is not ready for this, the gift will embarrass him and may frighten him away. The same phenomena, according to one of my informants, has been observed in relationships between two women as well. Really? Mm-hmm. It has been claimed that knitting a deliberate mistake into the sweater will break the curse, but according to one of my friends, this usually doesn't work. Knitters would therefore be well advised to wait until after the wedding to start any such project, especially since it's also believed by some that a sweater made for a husband both warns off other women and keeps him safe at home. <laughs> and that is the story of the sweater curse. <laughs> That's amazing. Poor Mrs. Weasley. She's a she's a she's a knitter. She <laughs> the only knitter i know she's not even a real person <laughs> anytime i can make a molly weasley reference i'm down sorry the idea that like this sweater curse exists like when you see it on paper you're just like oh shit this is wild and then you hear the history of it that like there's something about knitting and sweaters and this and that as a metaphor in crime fiction and uh based on on history and then you see it now and it's like the sweater curse will, if you knit a sweater for a man or a woman you're in a relationship with, they're going to break up with you if you give it to them before you're married. That's great. And I love the little, you know, if you put one mistake in there on purpose, it should break the curse. And then they're like, nope, that's not the way this works. Well, because then it's like, it's such an interesting thing because I do, I love superstitions uh, because I do love that there is the whole concept of breaking the curse. And yeah. The idea that the the way to break the curse of knitting a sweater is to knit a mistake into the sweater. You're still knitting the sweater. Yeah. So if you're knitting an intentional mistake into the sweater, stay with me, then you're still knitting a sweater. True. Very, very true. <laughs> How my brain hurts. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I wonder. I feel like if anyone listen, has listened to this in the morning before coffee, they're just like... Man, I'm glad you guys are at the end because you would have lost me if this were the first story. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. And I had never, ever heard of that. 
But I'm not going to lie, the entire time you're telling the story, I'm picturing Chris Evans and Knives Out in his fantastic sweater. That literally happened the it's, entire time. <laughs> it's a fun. It's a it's a fun metaphor. I think like the idea. It's just another thing to like that opens opens your your mind's eye yeah. to sweater. So now every time you see one or you're knitting one or whatever, you're gonna think this metaphor of like the the concept of a sweater is like the sweater is supposed to cling to you and 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 be a part of you and exist with you and that's sort of this whole story. It's I don't know. It's so, so interesting. The scarf I had brought up earlier that I'm working <laughs> on. I'm crocheting it. Does that count? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask. You got to talk to the sweater gods about that one. Yeah. Tweet at us. Let us know for sure. Somebody's got to have the answer out there. I'm going to throw it over to a quick listener story. I had two of them set aside. I had a longer one and a shorter one. Mm-hmm. We're at an hour, so I'm going to go with the shorter one. <laughs> um, this is called Grandma's Room. And it says, when I was a wee boy, I would occasionally stay at my great-grandparents' house. I was pretty curious, which didn't bother my great-grandparents, so I liked to explore. They had one room in the house I was never permitted to enter. It was always locked, so I never, ever saw inside that room. From time to time, I'd pester my great-grandma about this room. Most of the time, she'd say nothing or she'd scold me for asking. One time, though, she told me that it was grandma's room. This confused me, but I let it go because great-grandma didn't like being pestered. Obviously, I love this woman. One day, it was really hot outside, so I decided to read a book in the treehouse. From the treehouse, I could see the window to the room where I was not permitted to see. After reading a while, I glanced over to the window and saw an older woman looking back at me. I was so scared, I climbed down and ran into the kitchen. I told my great-grandma what I saw, and she snapped back, nobody's in grandma's room. Love this lady again. Later that night, I snuck out of the house and climbed up to the treehouse. I sat in the dark staring at this window. After a long while, I looked at the window and saw the room was lit up in a bluish hue. Then I saw that woman again moving around the room. Scared, I snuck back into the house. And as I was passing this room, I noticed movement under the door When it stopped suddenly, I couldn't hear anything, but I could tell the shadow had stopped at the door. Then suddenly, I heard something click. At first, I didn't know what it was. Then I noticed the door open ever so slightly, just enough that I saw an eye peeking back at me. (gasps) Instantly, I ran for my bedroom. The next day, I awoke to some loud noises down the hall. So I got up and opened my door and saw my grand uncle installing another lock on grandma's room door. As I passed by him, I heard the padlock latch and I heard my grand uncle say, nobody going in, nobody coming out. Later that day, my great grandma called me inside. When I saw her on the couch, I noticed a really old picture of her, a really old picture on her lap I had never seen before. She patted the seat next to her. After I was seated, she opened the picture book, page after page of really old pictures, but I recognized no one until I saw this one picture of an older woman. My great-grandma pointed to the picture and says, that's your great-great-grandmother, 
Voss. And when she would visit, she stayed in grandma's room. It's said to this day that I look like her, Joe. Holy smokes. Golly, what a freaking story. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like, so good. The imagery is haunting and terrifying in all the right ways, but also, like, great great grandma just wanted to hang out. I know why they got a locker in the room. Terrifying. Yeah. Well, that's what. I have so many additional questions as to why that lock is there. Right. Uh, Nobody going in? Nobody coming out. Nobody coming out. Uh, mm, See, that's the piece that I I have questions on, but also maybe those questions are better left uh, unasked, I think. Absolutely. I loved it so much. If you guys have stories, send it on over to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com or call it into the paranormal contact line at 202-964-3677. A big shout out to all you listeners. You guys are fucking awesome. You guys are here every week uh, and we love you for it. We've got some new reviews on the iTunes and we appreciate that so raise the roof if you will um but keep that keep it going uh tell your friends about us maybe great grandma might like to listen to this show you guys don't even know unless you ask her am i right so yeah that's true that's this week's show lots of (laughs) lots of stuff and lots oh no shout out to the producers doug malden lock there it is donald blanchflower and Ryan Hoke, and check out the Patreon page. All kinds of new updates. I was taking some cell phone videos during the last investigation. We were on throwing that stuff up there as well. So literal behind the scenes stuff and things at patreon.com slash oddity files. But kids, where does the new cool? And uh, this pandemic is almost over, so we're going to get to travel and stuff soon. So, uh, ghost on. Yay! <laughs> God, I can't fucking wait. Going to get to see some fools. Oddity Files is part of the Just What I Needed network. We hope we're just what you needed. The podcast is brought to you by the Oddity Files TV show. Have you heard of it? Have you watched it? Head on over to Amazon Prime Video and check out Oddity Files, a three-season investigative paranormal show. Music provided by James Grice. Please support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Give a little, give a lot. It helps support the podcast. And we appreciate our producers, Donald Blanchflower, Doug Malden Locke, and Ryan Hoke. We have a merch store. Can't get enough of Oddity Files? Wear us on your body. tpublic.com slash stores slash oddity dash files. Please support our partners. Every little bit helps. Rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. It's what helps us get the word out there. And you know, we can always use a new weirdo or two. Come hang out with us on our Facebook fan group. Just search Oddity Files fan group. All kinds of fun stuff. You can win things. You can read memes. You can buy cool shit. 
Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Okay, go. I'm done. What are you still doing here? Just get out of here. God, I love Ferris Bueller. <laughs>